0: Welcome to Ben's Bible Podcast. I'm Ben Burkhart, your host, and on this podcast, we share refreshing and faith building biblical truths. I hope you'll plan to join us on a regular basis. God bless you, and let's jump into this week's episode. Welcome to the podcast. Ben Burkhart here. I am so glad to have you back with me today, and today we're going to be looking at. The first lesson of a short mini-series on the book of Titus. We will be walking through the verses of each chapter. There's only three chapters in Titus, and we're going to walk through those chapters. So this will be the first time in our podcast that we're actually going through a book of the Bible. And I hope you'll send me some feedback. Let me know how you like it. If there's anything that you'd especially like to know about or to hear about, let me know. You can visit seminarsbyben.com and send me a note there. So if you go to seminars with an S, seminarsbyben.com, go there. You can send me a note. Just fill out the form and send me a note. Or you can go to wosda.com. That's W-O-O-S-D-A dot com, and you can send me a note there. So yeah, let me know how you enjoy the lesson, and if there's anything that you would like to study, if you prefer the topical studies or the book studies, I will be happy to hear that. So before we jump into our lesson on Titus 1, let's have a word of prayer and ask the Lord's blessing. Our Father in heaven, thank you for your Wonderful blessings. Thank you for the privilege of being able to study Scripture. And we pray that you would guide us by your Holy Spirit as we jump into this short mini-series on the book of Titus. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings and for the amazing things that you teach. May you guide us and bless us today. Bless everyone who's listening in today and draw us nearer to you. For we ask in Jesus' name, amen. So we're looking at Titus chapter one today and a little bit of the setting. This is the Apostle Paul who is writing to Titus, who is a young minister in the early church. He was a missionary as well. And this is around the year 65 AD when the Apostle Paul is writing. So we're gonna be looking at chapter one of Titus and this covers the salutation or greeting. It also looks at church order and organization and also God's high standards and calling for leaders of the Christian church, of the Christian faith and movement. So we'll be looking at that and some important character distinctions that are made as the Apostle Paul mentions a group of Jewish believers who unfortunately were spreading false teachings and bad attitudes in the Church of God. Now today, we certainly have these kinds of problems as well, so it's important for us to know, what does the Bible teach? How should we deal with these different kinds of issues that come up? So we'll be looking at that today here in Titus chapter 1. Well, let's take a look at verse 1 and following. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect, and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Now, the Apostle Paul has a few more things to say here in his greeting, but he starts it off pretty similarly to a lot of his other letters. Paul, a servant of God, and an apostle of Jesus Christ. This gives us some identity marks of who's writing, and it also gives us some of the authority that comes behind Paul's writings. He is an apostle of Jesus Christ. Very high and important role. It says, according to the faith of God's elect. In other words, according to the faith of God's chosen and faithful people. Now, these are also people who choose God. They choose to serve God, Um, but they are chosen of god because they are people who have decided to be faithful to god god wants us to be saved as many as possible he wants us to be saved the bible is very clear on that and he gives us freedom of choice so here the apostle paul mentions the elect the chosen the faithful so according to the faith of god's elect The Apostle Paul is writing from among the faithful as a leader of the faithful, and he is sharing the faith of Jesus Christ. We, of course, want to know more about the faith of Jesus Christ. And it tells us, And the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness. So the Apostle Paul wants to acknowledge and speak about the truth, which is after godliness. You know, biblical truth has a certain ring to it, and biblical truth is always gonna call us higher up. It's gonna call us into a holier life, and God is going to empower us to live a holier life. Why? Because God says, be ye holy, for I am holy. Biblical truth definitely leads us into a closer walk with God. God says, be ye holy, for I am holy. God wants us to be more like him, to learn of him, his holy ways. And the Apostle Paul, right here in his introductory remarks, right here in his salutation or greeting, starts talking about the truth which is after godliness. The truth which leads us into a holy life to live like God lives. Yes, God wants us to be like Him. He wants to recreate in us His image, the image that He initially made us with. If you look back to Genesis, and God wants us to be holy like He is holy. So the work of the Gospel, the work of Jesus Christ, is to restore holiness in our lives, to restore godliness, that we will become more like Him in character. Yes, we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, But the gospel is also transformative in our lives, that day by day, God is transforming us, making us more like himself, creating in us a holy character. So this is very important Bible truth that we might be tempted to skip over quickly here in the introduction, but we should take note of all the points that Paul is mentioning as we look here at Titus chapter 1 and verse 1. Now, Let's move on to verse 2. In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. God wants us to have that true hope, that hope of eternal life, that hope which is alive in Jesus Christ. Jesus overcame the grave, and through Jesus, we also can overcome the grave. So, Paul writes, in hope of eternal life. And this is a common hope that all believers should share if they have faith in Jesus Christ. It also tells us that God, who cannot lie, promised this before the world began. In the beginning, in other words, God wanted us to live for eternity. Look at Adam and Eve. They were built to live. They were not built to die. It was only because of our choice to sin that human beings began to experience death. And yet, God gives us hope. The Bible tells us in Revelation 13.8 that Jesus Christ is the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. In other words, God had a plan to put into action even before the world began that if humanity chose to go the wrong way, still through Jesus Christ and his choice to offer his life for ours, through this, we could have eternal life. And that's the hope that God gives us and God doesn't lie everything God speaks is the truth and so the Bible tells us that God promised before the world began he promised us eternal life that was his intention that was his plan we could eat of the fruit of the tree of life and live forever but after our choice to sin we were facing death and we experienced death and yet God had a plan to redeem us from death, And that's the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God wants to save us from death. Jesus died on the cross in place of us. He took our sin upon himself, and he died there on the cross for us. And by his wounds, we are healed. Go back and read Isaiah 53 if you have any question about that. The prophecy of Isaiah 53 tells us point by point that Jesus is our substitute that Jesus in fact dies in our place, taking our sins upon himself. And the Bible is really clear about this point as you look all through scripture, but you'll of course find a lot of information right there in Isaiah 53, if you wanna study it more. So that brings us to verse three. But hath in due times manifested his word through preaching, which is committed unto me According to the commandment of God, our Savior. If you look at Paul's life and you look at his story in Acts, the book of Acts, you will find that God specifically called him to this ministry. In fact, God knocked him off his horse. He was going to kill Christians. And God knocked him off his horse and said, What are you doing fighting against me? And his life was changed. He met Jesus Christ in a powerful way, and God said, look, I'm going to make you a preacher to the Gentiles. You're going to go and preach the gospel. So the Apostle Paul was called by God. God set him to the task of preaching. And the Apostle Paul notes that in due times, that is a number of times throughout history, God has shared the word through his prophets and teachers. God has preached the truth through human beings to other human beings. God uses his chosen servants, his chosen vessels. And that's what he did with the Apostle Paul. He used the Apostle Paul as a chosen vessel to preach the gospel. And it says here in verse three, that it is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. God has given a very special call to the Apostle Paul. And as he writes and shares with Titus, he comes with that authority. As he writes to other believers, he comes with the same authority from God. Now let's take a look at verse 4. To Titus. So there you have the address of this particular letter that the first direct audience was Titus. The truth, however, shared here to Titus is eternal truth. It's truth that affects all of us in the Christian church throughout all ages. The principles that the Apostle Paul taught through the Holy Spirit to Titus are principles that God wants his church to know today. God wants his people to know and follow these biblical teachings. So, we do have a first direct audience, that's Titus, but the letter was preserved for future generations given to us here in the Bible, and it tells us things that we need to know. Counsel that we should know for leadership in the church, for living a godly Christian life. There's a lot of powerful counsel in this letter to Titus, and all of it is very, very important for us to know and understand. That's why God has given it to us. So, looking more at verse 4, it says, To Titus, mine own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. So, he further expresses to Titus that Titus is his own son after the common faith. So, this is not literally a son in the flesh but this is a son in spirit this is a son in the gospel that in fact the Apostle Paul and his ministry had such an influence on Titus that it led Titus to really know Christ to give his life to Christ and to become a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ it was through the influence of Paul and his faith that Titus was born again, that Titus experienced this new faith in Jesus Christ, and the apostle Paul is raising him up. So Paul has been mentoring Titus. Paul has been teaching and helping Titus and guiding him in the ministry, training up leaders. And if you look at the New Testament, this was the effective way to share the gospel it was by training up leaders spiritual leaders who could do god's work if you multiply if you multiply leaders you will multiply the work because these people will go out and win souls but they will also train up people who will carry on and keep spreading the work have you ever wondered about the bible What does it really mean? While some things are simple to understand, other things are not as easy. Questions like, how will Jesus come? What will the end of the world really be like? What happens when we die? And is there really a hellfire or the devil roasts people for endless ages? How can I find personal peace in my life? And if God is love, why is the world so evil? These are very important questions, and the Bible has clear answers to all of those questions. To begin your Bible study journey, please visit That's wosda.com. That's w-o-o-s-d-a dot We need new leaders in the Christian church. We need people to be trained up and raised up, and God will raise people up. But for those servants of God who are working for the Lord today, God is calling us to raise up new leaders, to help others take up the special work for this time to share the good news of Jesus Christ, and to help mentor the flock, or the fold of God, to help mentor and guide the believers in the right way. So, this is an extremely important work, and today we still benefit greatly by going back to these counsels and teachings of the Apostle Paul. In fact, our faith as Christians is built from the Bible it's built from these writings. We have to go back to the Bible for everything to really become knowledgeable about God's will. If we don't read the Bible and study it, we're not going to know God's will. So, it is essential that we continue learning from the apostles and prophets that have written and given us this truth in the Bible. This is the anchor of our faith today. Without it, we would be on just about any old path that you might find today. Whatever guru seems to be someone to follow, we would easily be led off in that direction. But the Bible is an anchor for our soul. The Bible guides us in the right direction. And God wants us to take the word of God seriously, to take his word, the Bible, seriously. We need to study out these counsels and live by them. These teachings will mentor us, they will guide us, they will transform us. The Holy Spirit will apply these words of truth to our minds and hearts and change who we are to make us more like God, more like Jesus in character, more loving, more kind, more compassionate, and he will just fill us with his grace. So, Titus was experiencing this, the Apostle Paul was showing this, and again this is for us today that we need to experience it as well so as he addresses to titus his own son in the common faith he says grace mercy and peace from god the father and the lord jesus christ our savior grace mercy and peace yes we need a lot more of that we need god's grace we need god's mercy we need god's peace in our lives today and not only do we need it, but the world around us needs it. Our families need it. Our workplaces need it. Our churches need it. Our local community needs it. And the world at large needs this grace, mercy, and peace from the Lord. So, we should receive what what is being um. Expressed towards us. We should receive what the Apostle Paul is talking about here. As Titus was to receive and experience it, we also need to experience it with a heart of receptivity, a heart of, of openness, a heart of generosity and kindness and graciousness, that we would be thankful for what God is giving to us, and that we would want to share this with others as well. So, a very powerful introduction we find here in the first four verses of Titus, and Titus chapter 1, and now that leads us on to verse 5, where we begin to look at the mission that Titus was given by the Apostle Paul. He had an important work, and that work is important for us today to understand, and furthermore, The principles are given here in these following verses for how to choose godly Christian leaders. Now, these characteristics that are mentioned are not only good for godly Christian leaders, but they're good for all of us. We need to follow these things. In fact, Jesus would like us to learn from him how to be godly leaders, no matter what our place is. In the world today if only we could seek after god if only we could learn to live a godly life and have godly characteristics in our lives this would transform who we are and it would transform the world around us because the influence that we would have on the world would change greatly and in a wonderful way god wants us to experience that and he wants us to be able to share these teachings and this experience with other people around us, because this is how we can be a light to the world. Jesus said, you are a light that is set up on a hilltop, a city that cannot be hid. He said, you're, you're a light that is set on a lampstand. You're not to be hidden under a bushel. So God wants us to become these characteristics, to become this person of godliness. Now, granted, the basic communication here is about choosing a Christian leader and what to look for in that leader. That's super important. And, of course, we want that to be the case in all of our lives, that we will be aspiring after these characteristics. But definitely when you choose a leader of a church, a leader in various roles of spiritual leadership, you need to be looking for these characteristics. And the tendency of a lot of people is to look for the placard on the wall to look for some kind of uh, credentials or something behind your name and to say, okay, now you have been deemed qualified by somebody else, by some organization that you have these right credentials in your training. A lot of times this is what people are looking at, but the very sad thing is that many times people miss these character points when the bible itself exalts these character points in fact god could care less about how many degrees you have on the wall if your character is not molded after the character of jesus christ if you're not able to influence people in the way of god's love then there's going to be some serious problems if your life is not consistent with the teachings of jesus christ and even growing yes we're not perfect we're growing if your life is not heading that direction then big trouble is going to come god will be misrepresented you see the lord qualifies who he calls and if someone has a godly heart a man after God's own heart, then God will help them to receive the qualifications that they need. But he starts with character. When Jesus chose his apostles, he looked at their character. These guys were fishermen. They had not graduated from the university on spiritual matters. Then you have a tax collector like Matthew. You have many other people, Dr. Luke. So you have a lot of people coming from different backgrounds, and God is looking at character and teachability, people who can learn from God, people who are humble. This is what God needs to work with us. He's looking for those things, those character qualities. When you look at David, he seemed like the least likely of all of his brothers. He was the youngest. He was just herding the sheep, and God took him from the sheepfold and said, "'This guy has a heart after my heart. He wants to follow me.'" And I'm going to use him. I'm going to train him. And God did. God put David into many situations, like gaining some favor with Saul, getting connected with Jonathan, Saul's son, uh, helping the king, playing music there. You see, David learned to play music while he was a shepherd out in the fields. And he was able to use that skill to help the king. He also learned to fight. When he was a shepherd, he learned to defend the sheep. He used his sling. And then he later used that sling to take down a giant and God brought him into connection with the king so he'd learn about how the kingly house of Israel worked. God had a lot to teach him, but he started out with the characteristics of the heart, and that's very important. So this is kind of an overview of what we're going to be digging into here verse by verse. So let's take a look at verse 5. For this cause left I thee in Crete, that thou shouldest set in order the things that are wanting and ordain elders in every city as I had appointed thee." Okay, so for this cause, the young man, Titus, was left in Crete. Now, Crete is a big island in the Mediterranean Sea, okay? The apostles visited different islands as well as the mainland, and Titus was left by Paul in crete for a specific cause for a specific purpose he said that you should set in order the things that are wanting or lacking in other words be organizing the church work and he tells us there that he should ordain elders he should appoint elders in every city as i had appointed thee so here again we see that the apostle paul told titus to train up and appoint Leaders of the churches. Paul could not do all the work. Titus could not do all the work. But what could they do? They could train up local leaders in those churches so that the churches would become powerhouses for the gospel, powerhouses for sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. The health of the local church is so essential to the growth of the church in every locality, That very careful attention needs to be placed on the training up of leaders in each local church. A strong local church with well-trained and able leaders who love the Lord Jesus Christ will be a powerful message for the gospel. It will be a powerful testimony for the gospel, and it will reach the community around them. When you have good, strong, godly leadership who loves the Lord in your local church, in your local congregation, these kinds of leaders and persons can turn the world upside down for Jesus. And that's what we need to have. We need to have well-trained, godly leaders who can do a great work. And they need to be appointed as leaders over the local congregation they need to be set up in that position god chooses and trains leaders so this is supposed to happen today also god wants there to be order in the churches the apostle paul told titus to set things in order to appoint or ordain elders in every city So having gospel order, having organization is essential. These churches were young, they were growing, they were developing, but they were all to be working together on the same page. So if you traveled from one city to another, you would find a church and you would find it organized in a similar way, organized by leaders who were overseeing the work, leaders who were making the rounds, who were traveling through the territory, helping these churches to get set up and started. You would want to find consistency in theology and teaching between these different churches. You would want to find consistency of the characteristics of the faith in these different churches. And so the Apostle Paul was telling Titus to go and organize these churches so they could all be on the same page, they could have godly leadership in all the different localities, and they could be able to represent Christ consistently so that if you know a Christian from, say, the island of Crete, and then you meet a Christian from the city of Corinth, you should be able to find a consistency in their belief and practice and character and values. You should find consistency. And so God is looking for this today in his churches. He wants there to be organization. He wants there to be order in the churches. And he especially wants there to be godly leadership in these various churches so that they can accomplish their God-given mission. hope this is making sense. So let's take a look now at verse 6. If any be blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly, for a bishop must be blameless as the steward of God, not self-willed, not soon angry, not given to wine, no striker, not given to filthy lucre. Okay, there's a lot in those verses. That's just two verses. And let's look at some of the particulars in these verses. First of all, in verse six, it says, if any be blameless, the husband of one wife. So you're looking at a guy who does not practice polygamy, which some people did in the world in those days. You're looking at someone who has one wife and you're looking at someone who believes in the integrity and value of marriage. You're looking at someone who is godly in their home life. These are some of the big qualifications that you look for. Is this man a leader in his own home and family? And you notice how it points out, uh, choosing a bishop, it says, if he's blameless, the husband of one wife. This is how the Bible pictures it. Because, first of all, husbands were called to be the leaders in their home. Obviously, wives are a leader as well, um, but the husband was placed as the leader of the home, the head of the household. Look throughout the Bible. This is what you'll find. And unfortunately, in today's world, a lot of people have tried to flip this order upside down, to mow it over, to change it, to remove it. But if you go back to the Bible, God has already given us, a specific order of things. God has already given us a model for the home, a model for the family, that there is someone who has been chosen as the appointed leader over the family. And that, of course, is the husband who kind of brings things together. Now, granted, some husbands are going off in left field, are going the wrong way. They need to be pulled back to God's order of things. They need to seek God and surrender their hearts. Keep in mind that a husband is loving and caring and serving towards his wife as well. He's not just like self-service. Think about Jesus, what did he teach? He taught servant leadership. He said that if you are the leader, then you are the servant. You help, you bless. So when Jesus came for the church, he came to serve. He came to give his life a ransom for all of us. And this relationship between Jesus and his church is to be seen in the home, in the family. When you look at Ephesians chapter 5, we're not going to go there now, but in Ephesians chapter 5, it tells us about this, how husbands should love their wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. So there is this self-sacrificing love and leadership. There is this concern for the wife, for the woman, and for the children, okay, this is what God has in mind for his people and for godly families, for husbands who are leading in a godly way, who are not living to serve self and saying, do it all my way, and demanding everything, and not caring about the needs and concerns of the wife and children. Okay? That is a selfish, self-serving type of a model. And that is not the model that the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches loving servant leadership. So the husband is called to be the head of the family, the head of the household. And he is also called to lovingly consider the needs of his wife and children and think about how he can serve them in a godly Christ-like way. And the wife and children need to love and respect the husband and each other. So there is love and respect that needs to take place in every family, in every home. So with that in mind, we look at verse six again. It says, if any be blameless, the husband of one wife. So here we have a godly man, a godly husband. He is the leader in his home, and he is chosen now to be a leader in the church. Okay, pretty natural. You choose from the head of the household. You choose a a godly leader and he's a leader in the church. Also, his wife would have a kind of a respect as a a female counterpart of the husband. So she would be respected as a leader, being the wife of the husband, who is the leader chosen for this position. Uh, So you see in the Bible, you have prophets and you have prophetesses. Uh, You have, you know, you have wives, (laughs) wives of ministers. And in fact, the Bible here mentions that the wife and her character is important too when you're choosing a leader. Not only the husband, but how will the wife represent Jesus to the congregation when their family becomes a leadership family in the faith community? That's very important. So not only is this talked about here in Titus, but if you go back and read the letters to Timothy, like Timothy, uh, the first Timothy and second Timothy, if you go back and read those, then you will find the same principles expounded about. The, the man who is chosen to be leader, and also his family and their characteristics. So this is as far as we will go in our lesson study today on Titus chapter 1. And next week on Tuesday, we will be launching the second part of Titus chapter 1. And I look forward to digging into that study with you. We've got a lot of great stuff coming up. So why don't we have a word of prayer as we finish our time together today. Our Father in heaven, we thank you so much for your incredible blessings. Thank you, Lord, for your mercies and for all that you have been revealing in your word. Lord, we just pray that we may follow after Christ, that we would have the daily grace of Christ in our hearts, that we would have the Holy Spirit in our hearts, and that our eyes would be fixed on you, and we would be led by your example and your grace in our lives. Lord, um, please guide us to be true and faithful missionaries and Christians for you today, to live for you, and to share your good news with those around us. Lord, we thank you for this, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this podcast. It's been great having you as a listener. May God richly bless your day. I look forward to having you join me for the next podcast blessings and take care.